0: and welcome to the Shmooz, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman and today I'm visiting with Deb crevoy. Deb is the director of the Pioneer Jewish Film Festival here in Western Massachusetts. Now in its 15th year this annual 10-day festival brings Jewish films to venues across the Pioneer Valley. It is a much looked forward to annual event and the Yiddish Book Center has been a proud partnering sponsor for us almost as long as the festival has been around. Deb may correct me on the exact number of years. Um, Unfortunately, this year, due to the pandemic, um, the regularly scheduled spring festival has been postponed. And so Deb and I thought it might be fun to get together and talk all things film. So welcome, Deb.
1: Thanks, Lisa. Great to be here.
0: Lovely to have you here. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, And for our listeners' benefit, I'll start by explaining that having a conversation with about films with you is, always sends me sort of in the direction of many new films, um, for which I'm always grateful. Almost all of them always hit the mark, so thank you. Oh,
1: wow. You're too kind. You're too kind.
0: Um, and it's also been really great in the last several years. We've done much more together, and you've been a great resource for... Sarah Bleichfeld and myself, Sarah is also the producer of this show, we're all wearing many hats, Um, but in terms of planning our on-site public programming, so um, that's been a great relationship as well. So, um, you know, we agreed that in light of having to postpone the festival, it might be kind of fun since we're all quarantined at home watching maybe too many, admittedly, Um, (laughs) movies uh, and series uh, that... Having a conversation could be a great way to share share out some of the sort of festival's top picks from the over the many many years
1: yeah absolutely and I think it is very fair to say that many of us um, uh, in quarantine have been binging TV shows watching films making use of all of the streaming services as well as all of the cable networks on television that have been, uh, showing lots of oldies but goodies, some newer films. I mean, there's just been so much content out there, and and it is sometimes hard to try to sift through it. And, you know, we get suggestions from friends, and it's fun to follow certain websites or publications where you can get some good recommendations. But absolutely, we thought we'd have a little fun today um, and talk Jewish film. and. You know, just to pick up on what you said earlier, we at the Pioneer Valley Jewish Film Festival obviously are heartbroken that our spring festival had to be postponed. We had a terrific lineup in place. uh, Many films that were going to be shown at the Yiddish Book Center in partnership with you all. But we remain hopeful that we will reconstitute the festival when it is um, safe to do so and we're exploring a lot of options for how that might look and you know the way that it's going to happen but in the meantime plenty of films to take advantage of definitely some film favorites of of mine and my teams from uh, over the 15 years that we've been hosting the festival and you know look it goes without saying that the scope and breadth of jewish film is is well enormous and so for pretty much any genre, any subject, I, I think it's fair to say that there's a film to find. And uh, so whether it's a blockbuster, whether it's, you know, a few hidden gems, those are the things you and I enjoy talking about often are the more hidden gems. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to be able to offer some suggestions and hopefully hear some of yours as well. And, um, you know, and just have some fun.
0: It it begs a question that I wanted to ask you, and then we'll—I promise our listeners—we'll get into giving the titles out. Um, Curious to know if it's just my imagination, or or if in fact the number of new releases in this genre of Jewish films has been increasing over the last many years.
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt, Uh, and and part of that has to do with. Um, the increasing number of Jewish film professionals in the business, producers, directors, screenwriters, who are often bringing stories to the screen having to do with their own life experiences or stories that they were interested in pursuing. That's definitely a factor. And you know, the, uh, the number of Jewish film festivals also continues to grow exponentially worldwide. And so there is a market, there is an interest, there is a talent base producing. And so we just continue to see extraordinary film content coming out year over year.
0: And how how do you go about curating? I mean, I know that you and I sometimes meet and we have coffee, maybe bagel, <laughs> and talk about films and stuff like that. and, and- Things that you're considering and things that you're urging me to think about but I'm curious in terms of your team how do you go about doing the curation and um, the final selections
1: well I think that at the at the very core of it is looking for good stories powerful stories original stories unique stories well told and um And when we find a kernel of a good story, we want to make sure that we can include it. We are also, you know, look, trying to balance a little little something for everyone. So there are often the sort of time-honored categories of American Jewish life, um, history and legacy, romance, you know, broad thematic categories that Make for good film viewing, and that can ensure that we're going to attract as diverse an audience as possible. So, you know, in that sense, we we know the the realm of categories that we're looking for typically in a year's time. And as I say, it's then a matter of going after the really powerful and hopefully unique stories.
0: So, looking back over the past many years, um, what are some of the top selects?
1: Well, that is a big question, (laughs) (laughs) for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, So I would say, you know, looking back over the years, there have definitely been some really anchor films. And I can even, you know, I can start more recently with what was by far the breakaway film from the 2019 Jewish Film Festival. And it was a, a film based on a true story taking place during World War II. It's, it's called A Bag of Marbles. And uh, broadly speaking, it's a family-friendly fen- f- family adventure film. And it's, it's based on the autobiographical novel of um, uh, Joseph Joffo. It, it, it was absolutely the, the breakout hit of last year's festival. It, it centers on two young Jewish brothers um, they're basically left to fend for themselves it's, it's the scenario we're in Nazi occupied France they're trying to make their way south to essentially the demilitarized zone they're brave they're clever it's stunning scenery it's the heartstrings of a family trying to get reunited it's an excellent example of ensemble acting it was just a gorgeous gorgeous film and um, certainly one uh, for for listeners to seek out to try to stream again it's called a bag of marbles just beautifully done
0: next on your list
1: well so next on my list i probably would um, i probably would go back a number of years uh to the 2014 jewish film festival where we screened a film called The Zigzag Kid. This was based on the um, beloved book by Israeli writer David Grossman. Another in some ways adventure film for all ages. Uh, It's about a boy just before his bar mitzvah and this happens to be a young boy who dreams of being a detective. He's sent off to visit his quote unquote boring uncle. And basically what ensues is this wild journey. It's filled with disguises and criminals and all sorts of crazy pursuits and uh, interesting performances by by both celebrity and non-celebrity actors. Isabella Rossellini is in this. And, uh, and for those who've read the David Grossman book, it's just um, a really enchanting film. The, the zigzag kid, certainly up there on my list.
0: And, you know, one of the things that has been interesting for me is I think that their films, when I first started at the Center, I think it may have been the first year of the working on the film festival, and it was, um, we featured the Clasmatics on Holy Ground. And so, you know, almost ten years later, it's interesting to go back and revisit these and to see sort of what's happened. Um, You look at Klesmer, you know, 10 years ago, and you look at it today, and certainly because we have our annual festival, unfortunately not this summer, Yidstock, um, and know a lot of the players in that film. It's just uh, a way to chronicle a lot of different aspects of contemporary Jewish culture by sort of going back and visiting them. Have you found that at all?
1: For sure. I mean, it absolutely is a way of Um, marking time of major events or or moments in in Jewish history or um, Jewish culture, Jewish society. And I would add to that also, by extension, Israeli society and Israeli culture, because for sure, you know, every Jewish film festival is always interested in screening some of the best Israeli cinema that's happening at the time. And you know it makes me think of a film that we showed, uh, I believe it was back in 2017, called "Disturbing the Peace," and it kind of captures what you were talking about of just you know a, a moment in time. Um, it's a, a "Disturbing the Peace" is a documentary that uh, follows a group of really enemy, I would say enemy combatants, is what I would say. Uh, Israeli soldiers who had served in elite units and, and Palestinian fighters, who many of whom had served years in prison, and basically came together essentially to challenge the status quo and say enough is enough. It's, um, it, it's a very powerful documentary about um, uh, Combatants for Peace, which is a social justice organization that's done incredible work throughout Israel and the Palestinian territories. And it was a moment when we screened the film uh, where uh, Paula Green, who was the founder of the Karuna Center for Peace Building, just down the road from you folks in, in Amherst, she joined us along with the filmmaker, Stephen Apkon, in a discussion about just, you know, what does it mean to actually work in an authentic way for peace? And what does it mean for people who've been sworn enemies to actually try to come together and have meaningful conversation and 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 make some semblance of, of progress in conversation? And I think the film was very well received, not just here in the valley, but elsewhere uh, in the world. And Paula's work at the Karuna Center really has helped the film uh, capture even a a, a wider audience. And um, to me, that stands out as just an example of what you were talking about, this idea of being able to chronicle or mark a particular cultural moment. And
0: I'm just going to copying these questions off too, if you don't mind, because <laughs> you're a very good answerer um, <laughs> in terms of the film, um, uh, giving a synopsis, most surprising for you, just either most surprising that you found your way to it or uh, audience reaction?
1: Well, you know, so, so inevitably I think we would land uh, on unorthodox on, on And that's what comes to mind based on your question. So Netflix uh, recently released a four episode series called Unorthodox, uh, which uh, for those of you who are Stissel fans, uh, Shira Haas, who's also in Stissel, stars as a a young woman who's leaving her ultra-orthodox home in Brooklyn and she's heading to Berlin. And people have been binge watching this show, particularly, you know, through this pandemic time. And I have to say, it's just been quite surprising to me. I I don't know. Have you watched it, Lisa?
0: I have. I didn't binge it, um, but I did watch it. And uh, Ellie Rosen, who was a Yiddish advisor, was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, I found it really interesting. And I think you, well, you may have a different take on it, it sounds like. But I think you have to look at it in the context of its being um, produced you know as a show it's not I didn't see it as a documentary
1: right, absolutely. oh, it is absolutely a show uh, you know uh, fictionalized i mean it's i don't I don't see it as a documentary either but I- oh,
0: and I didn't mean to suggest that i just I think some people are falling on a divide over this because they're thinking it's a either a misrepresentation or something like that.
1: hmm no i saw it as fictionalized i mean i I, and and there were a lot of pieces i mean i look i i I really enjoyed it I, i i think it was not without its flaws but i think my big takeaway and 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 why it came to mind when you asked about what's been surprising is just the the number of people who've been there's just been such a buzz about it and everything from you know, the story that it was trying to portray of this woman's struggle to leave her enclave, to how fun it was to watch a show in Yiddish, to, um, you know, how, how accurate or inaccurate certain portrayals were, you know, from, from the dress to the language to, you know, the storyline. It's just fascinating to me.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting when you say you know, there's always the issue of um, showing films and having subtitles. They're being in, you know, Yiddish or Hebrew or what have you. And I think of Menashe. Um, remember, we showed that a couple of years ago when it came out. Absolutely. And that was interesting because it's such a compelling story that it wasn't as if the most innovative part of it was that it was in Yiddish. It was, a, it was a natural language for it to be in and be scripted in, um, but that didn't become the defining thing about that movie, which is always interesting to me, that language can impose something on it, you know, the novelty of it being in Yiddish.
1: Right, right. So, um, so right, Menasha was a film that we showed collaboratively at the Yiddish Book Center as part of the Jewish Film Festival. Uh, just a gorgeous film by Joshua Weinstein. And, um, you know, to me, if I think back on that film, it's really it's the story of a father trying to do right by his son. You know, that and that's such an enduring theme and 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 a universal theme. And you're right that know the setting it was present-day borough park brooklyn and obviously it was it was a yiddish language film but it was so much it was so much more than that
0: (laughs) it's been also interesting to to work with you on selecting films and, and maybe some will spring to mind that have also had um, a place we are situated in what's referred to as the five college towns and being able to screen films that also can be contextualized in terms of Jewish study students and other hist- history students, that's always been an aspect of this and I think it's a really um, commendable to consider in terms of selections and, and also to have been able to bring some of these films onto campuses and have longer conversations that ensue. And maybe there are a few that you would point out that have been particularly meaningful, strong, or have also precipitated some interesting conversations.
1: Well, you know, while we're on the topic of um, films that portrayed the Hasidic community, I think about a film we screened about four or five years back called Fill the Void by Rama Berstein. Uh, an Israeli uh, production about a young ultra Orthodox woman who has to, uh, she basically has to weigh the claims of family loyalty. And she's balancing that against a sense of religious duty and, and her own life. It's a, it's a heartbreaking story that we chose the film to screen at uh, Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley. And at the time, um, we were working with uh, uh, Larry Fine, who was the chair of the Jewish Studies Department there, and and he, I remember this to this day. You know, was always very interested in choosing films because it was, you know, it's a women's college. Choosing films that had strong and complex female characters where you could really dig into learning about their lives and their struggles. And also to be able to look to the complexity or the lesser known pieces or angles of the Jewish community, be it here or in Israel or other parts of the world. And um, and, and absolutely that was a film that stood out for the kind of conversation that we could then have afterwards. And um, you know, whether it was Larry at the time or or the other colleagues from Jewish studies and film studies and comparative literature and all of the other academic par- departments at the area colleges where we've partnered, it makes a huge difference in being able to, and, and look, that's, that's part of the love of, of of, of attending a film festival is that you do what we call wraparound programming, right? So you're not just—it's not just a night out at the movies, but that you're able to actually dig in. And you know, you and I have done similarly at the Yiddish Book Center, where we've had good fortune of being able to invite the filmmaker to come and share his or her perspective afterwards, and to take questions from the audience and to really, you know, dig in in a meaningful way.
0: So at the moment, I think we can all use a little comedy. Any, a couple of recommendations for our listeners?
1: (laughs) Well, um, you know, my tastes run toward the, um, uh, toward the, toward the dark drama. So, you know, that's really a stretch for me. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but nevertheless, I will do my best. So I'm going to, you know, I, I, I can't. I can't not mention my own couple of personal go-to's for when I need a lift. Mm -hmm. And boy, these are really oldies but goodies. Um, So, uh, well, there's always the Princess Bride. Okay. (laughs) Which is old school Rob Reiner comedy with um, starring Mandy Patinkin and that's just, that's just always gonna be in the archive and always a fun one to think back to. Uh, if I think about you know, things that have really had strong uh, appeal over the years through the film festival, I mean, by, by all means, I have to mention Doe. Do you know that mm-hmm.
0: film? Yeah, I loved it.
1: So, uh, Jonathan Price, uh, a lovely British film about um, he plays an, uh, an older Jewish baker in London's uh, East End, uh, struggling to keep his bakery alive. And it's just sort of a, a series of mishaps that happen. And it's, it's sweet. It's, it's, it's um, I mean, there are moments that are quite funny. There are also moments that are quite poignant. It's got a lot of um, intergenerational relationships there's a little it's actually got quite a lot of everything in it there's some commentary on race relations and family family dynamics and at the end of the day it's just a beautiful lighthearted, warm story
0: it, it is it's it sort of um, i don't want to use the word surprising but it is i mean it it, it wraps a lot of things into it and it does it really beautifully um, and i think that there's probably if you if you're home and you're watching it, there's a conversation that would ensue following it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you another one that um, we screened uh, back in 2017 as part of the Jewish Film Festival. And I believe it actually, after, after we screened it, it then had a nice run at the Amherst Cinema for a few weeks afterwards. And that's a the Israeli film called The Women's Balcony, mm-hmm. and uh, it starts off as basically an accident happening during a bar mitzvah celebration, and and there ends up being this um, oh kind of a gendered rift in this community in Jerusalem, and uh, it's again it's got all the elements of of just a wonderful comedy. It's got great, uh, a great ensemble cast, it's funny, it's poignant, Um, a lot of heartfelt conversation about family dynamics, but it's just really, really funny too. And um, that's also streamable. I know uh, it's currently streaming on Amazon as well as iTunes. So, um, And, you know, as we mentioned, all of these films, you know the usual suspects netflix amazon prime video itunes um, some people are able to if they if you have a vimeo account that's another streaming service so you know we're we're in good fortune that so many of these films after they had their festival circuit run some of them went on to screen at the theater so they had a theatrical run but some of them and then and then after that they they likely headed to the streaming services and so that's a new shift just kind of changing gears for a sec i have to just say that you know as a as a film festival director it's been a fascinating shift to watch over these last number of years and certainly when the film festival got its start you know we didn't have those kinds of streaming services and you know you could find a, a hidden jewel of the film and bring it to your community because nobody else could really get their hands on it. And what's fascinating now, and I know you and Sarah are very much familiar with this dynamic, now it's a matter of, you know, how fast do we have to be able to show it in our own venues because it's going to be up on a streaming platform so soon after. It's just really shifted the whole dynamic of where we go to watch independent film and particularly, you know, uh, when we're talking about not just Jewish films, but foreign films, you know, things that were, you know, we're looking to Europe and Israel and uh, other parts of the world. it It's a, it, it does change the dynamic of, of movie viewing.
0: Well, I think that's a good way to segue out, which is to say that the, the dynamic of movie watching right now has, yeah, changed, um, beyond anything I think we could have imagined. So it's really helpful to have a lot of different recommendations in a lot of different categories and genres. Um, certainly hope to be back in um, a non-virtual space with you, watching movies and, and considering what's next. Um, and we look forward to hearing the announcement that uh, a new date has been selected for the the film festival. Well,
1: we look forward to that too. and. Um and in the meantime we will just keep going and trying to make worthwhile suggestions for virtual viewing, uh, home viewing and um you know until until we can be together again.
0: That's great. And and for anyone who's interested, um just uh search for Pioneer Valley Jewish Film Festival and you'll learn more about this 15-year-old major festival. It really has been instrumental in bringing great films to the valley and to opening up all of us um to things that or films that we didn't necessarily know about so um and giving them opportunities to be screened so thank you so much for that deb look forward to continuing to work with you and also would like to mention that in the uh, virtual public programming that the Yiddish Book Center is presenting, um, which happens every Thursday night at 7, and you can learn about it on our events calendar on yiddishbookcenter.org backslash events. We will be trying to to suggest uh, something that you can screen, uh, likely uh, a film that was probably part of a past Jewish film festival selection and then we will have a conversation about it with the director or with a scholar depending on who's available for the conversation so the first one up is in search of israeli cuisine um, and the director who is roger sherman will be doing a talk so keep uh keep posted everybody and deb will have you back and you can make more recommendations
1: Uh, I would be delighted to come back and I'm excited that you're going to be featuring in search of Israeli cuisine. I think um, what a wonderful and uplifting topic to think about food and uh, how food nourishes us and uh, in the same way that arts and culture nourishes us. So most yummy. Great.
0: And we'll be p- only picking uh, films that everybody can stream from home in advance of the conversation. So uh, hope you'll join us again. Until then, take care, be safe, and thanks again for taking the time today. Thanks so much. Be healthy. All good
1: wishes. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For more on Yiddish and Jewish culture, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. Today's podcast was coordinated by Sam Brivik and produced by Sarah Bleichfeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.